Hi, Tisha. Hi, Jen. How's it going? It snowed again today. Why doesn't it stop snowing? I don't know, but you know that snow we had like a couple weeks ago, it was 55 centimeters. That was actually more snow than we had in July, January, February, and March combined last year. And we got it all in one day. Uh, we've never gotten that much snow in one day since in the 12 years I've lived in Toronto. No, I think they said uh, it like broke the record for January in like more than 20 years or something. Yeah. And then we got like 10 more. <laughs> And then we, I woke up to some fresh snow and then it was just snowing again. Now, I mean, I love the snow. I'm not like a snow hater at all, but it's like, I definitely didn't, I didn't shovel from yesterday. So it's the shoveling and the cleaning of the car that I don't enjoy my house. Yeah. You don't get the sun that I do. My house is South facing. So as long as the sun is out, the car is typically easy to clean off, Mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. I have a friend whenever somebody complains about the heat who always says, well, I didn't have to shovel the heat off my driveway this morning. So I'm fine with it. (laughs) Good one. Right. Oh my God. That's really (laughs) funny. Um, What are you up to this week? Absolutely nothing, nothing. Um, I'll tell you what I'm up to. Uh, We did. uh, We had a book club meeting Yes, we recorded tonight. I'm gonna have driveway drinks with a friend for her birthday tomorrow. Is it Maggie? It's Maggie. Maggie. Yeah, and it's one of those things where like we had driveway drinks for her birthday last year, and you yeah. think like that's never gonna happen again, and then here we are a year later having, having driveway, driveway drinks. drinks. Yeah. Yay, Toronto. Yeah, I'm trying to finish a book I've been reading called "Of Women in Salt." Okay. Because. I'm going to start reading our next book, which is, yes, we have a book club, guys, the Noah book club. Um, if you're on our email list, it's always in there. You follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We talk about it there. We do it via Zoom. We have had authors join us before. Yes. I do have to reach out to the author of this upcoming book for February. Her name is Nora Zelovansky. And the book is called Competitive Grieving. So if anyone wants to get that. And the other thing is we're actually giving away a copy of the book. Yes. So if you um, go onto our Instagram page or our Facebook page, you'll see the contest entry there. Yes. So, and you have to follow us um, in those places to be eligible to earn it. So yeah, I've been podcast listening a lot. I mean... Obviously, obviously, but I listen to (laughs) content that's extremely different than what we put out. I'm currently obsessed right now with a dating podcast called You Up, and it is not targeted to anyone in my age group. It is definitely targeted to people that are like dating and like looking to get married. I think Mm -hmm. it's hysterical. It's so freaking funny. I just binge watch a really stupid show called Hype House on Netflix that is also not... (laughs) Oh, is that like all the TikTokers living together? Yes. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of was interested in that. I don't watch Go stuff for like it. that, but I kind of was interested in that. I do not feel like I'm a better human being for having watched it. How's that? <laughs> no, I wouldn't imagine you would, but it's, it's definitely so the entire world that I have no knowledge of. So that was kind of interesting. I'm sure it was fun. I'm sure it was fun. I went I mean, sledding I think I with my kids. It. 
yeah. yesterday. Ooh, good for you. Did you get on the sled? I did. I usually do because we were we were at this park near us that has a really great hill that actually teaches girls that have only been to that big hill just this year. And my kids are like obsessed with it. But it's nice to go to during the week after school because it's not like super busy. What okay, is tell me next time you're going. Let's go. I well, I almost messaged you, but Logan wanted to go with one of his friends. Uh, but the snow is soft right now and there were mm-hmm. all these bumps, which is super fun. So I was like, yes, I will go down and I get on the sled. Well, my foot fell off the sled and dug right into one of those bumps because it's so soft, jammed up my leg and oh. stopped. And I was trying to be funny and take a video of it. And so my phone went flying and then Logan ah! slid over it. It's fine. It all still works. It's great. But like, I feel like a full-on old lady now, like all up my leg. I'm going to have to like call my chiropractor. I'm like, wow, this is 40s. Oh, this is your 40s. This is um, it. This yeah. is why I told them, I was like, I need to go by myself from now on. <laughs> yes. Because the fact that you went on with them is like, well, it's just one of them, but I've done that before, but yeah, it just, um, but I still want a sled. I like yeah. the sled. That's awesome. It's so but much fun. What's the thing about sledding that kids don't get? And even adults that like you walk up the sides, like, what is that? Cause like, I, have no I don't answer know. For you. I always like say to my kids slide down here, but down the middle, the walk up the sides. Yeah. And the yeah, best I mean, part is my kid, you want to know what my kid did? So I said this to them and he's like, there's no one here. I'm like, I know, but it's just like, it's good practice. It's what you should do. Cause there were enough people there that it was still more polite to do. And, and even mm-hmm. though I'm a rude American, I'm raising Canadians. So I expect them to be polite. This, this couple, they kept walking up the middle and my eldest is like, what's that idiot doing? They're such <laughs> idiots. No joke. <laughs> he goes down the hill and walks right up where he slid it, slid down. And I was like, you were just calling people out for this and calling them idiots, by the way. And then which you was did not it. right at all. Um, and then you did it. Like, who are you? Amazing. You know what else is amazing? What? This episode yes. that we have yes. for our listeners. Yes, because we're talking to Morgan. And I've yes. loved re-listening to it and editing it and remembering that conversation because it was one of the ones that was so fun that we didn't record an opening for and there is one on it because we did it at the end of our conversation <laughs> but yeah we just like got on the call with her and just started into it I've been following her on Instagram for ages and um, her Instagram handle is at organized living and um, yeah I love her she's awesome so and she's going to be talking to us about leaving the Mormon church yes which is yes a really, I don't know, interesting conversation. It's not something I really knew much about. And so we were it's really something that about. I find really fascinating. And just yes. to talk to somebody kind of firsthand who has that experience. Uh, it's a good one. It's one that you need to share with your friends because I don't know anyone who likes like a good story. Morgan's. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yes. And, and we just like, we like more listeners. We love more Let's listeners. Definitely. <laughs> Listen, download, share, like, follow, subscribe, rate, all of those things. Every single one of them supports our show in free ways that uh, helps us. And if you, I don't know, have the means and want to join us over on Patreon or buy us a coffee, the links for that are down below as well. We would love to have proper audio equipment, folks. Ha!
Hi, I'm Jen and welcome back to Now What? Hi, I'm Tisha. Today we are meeting with Morgan, who I have been following on my personal account for quite a while. I found her through the minimalist community and um, she posted something one day recently and I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I haven't thought of inviting her on the show. And so I invited her on the show and she and has she said agreed. Yes. And she said yes, which is like the most amazing feeling, by the way, I have to tell you. Um, when we pitch guests and they say yes, it's just incredible. I'm going on a tangent a little bit, but it speaks to me when people accept that like, oh, we're doing something that people see value in yeah, and totally. that people can make meaning from. And um so I invited Morgan on here because she talks about her questioning her faith that she grew up in, as well as growing up in, in a home with hoarding. And she is a fellow podcaster, her and her husband have a podcast called The Minimalist Couple. So all good things. Welcome, Morgan. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Did we miss anything? Did I miss anything? No, thank no, you did great. I like when you asked me to be on here, I was like, oh my first interview on another someone else's podcast. Like so yeah. So it's like such an honor to be to be on someone else's podcast other than my own. (laughs) So no, you did great. I'm also we have um three daughters and I'm a film student. I have no idea what I'm gonna do with with the degree, but I'm doing it for kind of a personal satisfection and we'll, we'll see, but I just Where love are you movies. I used to work in film. No way. Yeah. That's what brought me to Toronto. Girlfriend hook me up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just going to my like community college. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So thank you. I see you've been sharing yes. in stories, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, she has a pretty clear idea. I think of what she wants to talk about. Yeah. I mean, I'm here to talk about anything, especially, yeah. you know, growing up in a hoarding situation, deconstructing. I mean, I'm open an open book. Is that, really. this is just my ignorance. Is that leaving mm-hmm. the church? Yes. Yeah. My, you know, I was talking to my grandma about that and she was like, what's deconstruction. So I'm wondering if that's a Mormon term. It must be. Yeah. So maybe like faith crisis, faith journey. I don't know. It's all kind of this deconstruction Hmm. of the, of the religion that I grew up in. So that must be a Mormon term because I would say it, my grandma would be like, I don't know what that is. So yeah. It's just breaking down your beliefs. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're deconstructing it. Yeah. It makes sense. And I could see that term applying to other faiths. I'd never heard the term before. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I read your post that you just posted. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, kind of talking yeah. more specifically about your reasonings. Yeah. And um, I was raised Catholic, not like super strict by any stretch, but we went to church and, you know, did the mm-hmm. sacraments and did the things. Yeah. Um, but I also went to a very liberal all girls boarding school wow. where we had girls from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were exposed to a lot of different religions. And it was like, I think sometime after I made my confirmation, I was like, yeah, I'm tapping out of this. Like I'll come yeah. with you, mom. But right. like, this is sexist AF. Mm-hmm. And as you know, going to a very liberal girls school, that didn't fly with me. Yeah. Um, 
but but a lot of like the things that you were saying like as I grew to understand more like Mm -hmm. were just some some similarities for sure yeah Um, yeah my mom was getting into the story my mom was raised catholic and it was so strong that she actually wanted to become a nun she like almost took that path of of becoming a nun and then it took a hard left turn and she started working in a she's a nurse and she started working in a like a little family owned clinic and they were all moms and she would bring her cup of coffee to her shift and they would be like "Mm, what are you drinking she would be judged for drinking coffee and so uh she was like, what the heck? Why, you know, why are you judging me for drinking coffee? And that's when she started to learn about the Mormon church and have these discussions with the missionaries. And, and that's when she converted. So she was 41 when she converted. And I happened to be eight years old at the time. And in the Mormon doctrine, you're eight when you get baptized. And so I just happened to be eight when she was being converted. And so they just baptized me too no one formed consent. I didn't know what I was getting into. And yeah, there's a lot of things in the church that's like, you do it because you're told you Mm. and you do it because everybody else is doing it. And so you you don't want to look like an, an outcast. So you go along with it. And so it's this, you know, this, uh, same mentality. Does that make sense? Like it's yeah, all... it absolutely does. Everyone in the group is kind of thinking the same. And if you don't right. think the same, then you're an outcast. And I think as human right. beings, there's like a natural desire to want belong. to belong and to yeah. have community and to fit in. Exactly. So absolutely. That makes sense that you just kind of go with it because you want to fit in. You don't want to be the one who's right. You don't want to be the one that's it. different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it trickles down to what you're wearing. It trickles down to your political stances. It trickles down to my mom was a single mom. So, I mean, I had divorced parents and in the Mormon church. And I mean, a lot of other religions, Catholic, you don't get a divorce. You're not single in a church. And so it was, it was very judgmental of like people in church would save seats. And my mom, they would say, Oh no, you can't sit here because this is for our family. This is our family pew. So you can't sit here. You have to go sit over there. And so it was really hard for my mom to be like, you know, I am the only one of the only single women here with a daughter. And she didn't feel that that fellowship. And I saw that with my own eyes growing up. And so I was like, what kind of like, this isn't what Jesus taught. Jesus would be sitting with the single mom you know? So it just trickles down to that. But she <sighs> still stayed with the church. Yes. Yeah. She stayed because, um, she really loved the values. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some things that I do like about the church. They're very much about, you know, family and, uh, you know, family time and getting a higher education, getting to be debt-free, you know, those things. And so, And it is a great community as in great at networking. If you need to find a job, 
a Mormon will help you find a job. <laughs> and so she liked that camaraderie, especially as a single mom. She liked that. And I didn't make friends easier. I was kind of like a loner and very introverted. So she liked that I had this kind of built-in group of friends my age. And I think that's why she stuck with the church. I don't think she honestly believed in, in the Book of Mormon or whatever they were teaching. I think she just liked the community aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know anything about your mom, but so many people just, they want to belong to a yeah. community and that, yeah. and, and organized religion provides that for people. Yeah, definitely. With well, the potlucks and the whatever and the, yeah. And as long as and you're the like, ladies group and yeah, yeah. Right. And as long as you're acting in like a faith in it, like in the faith, mm-hmm. you can't really be ostracized. You can't really right. be like cut out. Right. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah. And so when I got to high school, well, even then, I think when I went off to college, that's when I started to find my own, like, maybe I do believe in the church. Like I, I wasn't living under my mom's testimony of the church is true and the blah, blah, blah. I was actually finding my own way and it didn't help. I went to a Mormon. Well, it wasn't Mormon, but it was a very, very Mormon town in Arizona it was like a little mini Utah and everybody was Mormon. And, and so I went to the school. And so I lived in this sheltered Mormon bubble. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know anything differently. All I knew was don't drink coffee. You go to church every Sunday, you participate in all the things you don't swear. You, (laughs) you know, you don't show your shoulders or your knees. And so I was very sheltered. (laughs) But as you said, when everyone around you is doing that, then that's what's normal. That's yeah. yeah whatever. You don't normal know anything that's, differently. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask because your parents are divorced. Your father's not Mormon. No. What his perspective was maybe on your mom and you joining the yeah. Mormon church. You know, I don't know. I was, uh, they, I was five when they were divorced and my dad was raised very Lutheran like the religion was shoved down his throat. And so he became very like no organized religion, nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, so I don't know what the dynamics were when I got baptized at eight, Mm -hmm. if he was, I think legally he had to sign off on something to have me baptized. Yeah, he probably did. And, um, you know, I think he was fine with it. I I should ask him about that now that, you know, I've never really discussed that, but, um, yeah. And, but telling him that I was leaving the church, he was like, okay, that's fine. I don't like, he didn't, he wasn't bothered by that. No. Mm -mm. And neither was my mom. My mom, she hasn't formally left, like sent in, you have to send in your resignation letter. She hasn't formally done that, but she's been away for gosh, 10, 10 plus years. So when I told her, she was like, okay, <laughs> she didn't Have really you care. officially, like, did you send in the letter? I actually got the form to do that this week. Yeah. Okay. I'm probably going to do it tomorrow. I have to have it notarized and I'll, I'll be sending it to church headquarters this week. Hopefully that feels wow. huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's like huge. a big, like, a, a, a kind of seemingly small act, but like very weighted. Yeah, I know. I, 
I was looking at the because I printed them out and I was looking at the papers and it's very it was uh, written up by a lawyer so it was very like big words and very you know I don't have the word formal big. yes and I was like oh my gosh I'm really doing this oh my gosh like because it tells you this erases all of your baptismal covenants this releases this erases everything and I was like oh my gosh I was freaking out but I knew deep down I was like this is the best choice for me I can't you know I just don't want to commit being a number to the church I really don't there's so there's so many things I mean I said that in my Instagram post but I was like I just can't uh, you know be another number for them to brag about and uh because at first I was like I'm just gonna stay and I'm going to be progressive and I'm going to be really nuanced and maybe make change for, you know, policies. And it just got to be too hard. I was like, I just can't do this anymore. And the more I found out and the more I, I dug uh, into the truth, I was like, I just, it feels better to just, you know, resign altogether. Yeah. What is that experience like to, I guess, start questioning what you've been, what you've always believed, I guess. I know, you know, I was actually, um, I've always had questions, like subtle questions, but it wasn't until 2020, you know, when the world just went to crap. And uh, I was really scared at first. I was like, I don't know if I want to, because I heard all of these like resources you could read and and uh, books you could read and that would tell you the truth. And I was like, I don't know, I'm scared. I'm, I'm nervous that, because you kind of walk that line of you wanna stay because you're married and you have kids and this is your whole world and this is kind of your comfort zone. But then you know that I, I just didn't wanna be ignorant. I was like this for myself. So it was scared. And I was talking to my therapist about how it really is like a, a grieving process one minute you're really sad, one minute you're angry, the next year you're like, well, what, you're bargaining, like, what if I do this, and what if I, so it really is like a grieving process, and no one ever talks about that, it's all like, I don't know, no one really ever talks about Yeah, I left my religion, and that's the end. Yeah, and then that's the end, and maybe that's the difference between being in like a non-denominational Christian church, versus a high demand religion, which is what Mormonism is. It is high demand. They ask a lot of you. And, um, but they put this fine little sticker on it that it's, uh, that you're doing God's work and that it's for your best and you're building faith and you're what, no, it's high demand. It's a lot of work to be a member of the Mormon church. (laughs) Well, I think also, I think, I mean, there's just a misconception of what what we should be grieving anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, the loss of any kind of a relationship, friendship, you know, marriage, you had a relationship with your church that is a cause to grieve, you know, loss of a job is cause to grieve. Like we, we, we don't like acknowledge Mm -hmm. that that's what's going on. Yeah. That's what can happen after you sever that right and I think I mentioned it um like when I first 
started talking about it on my Instagram. I was like, this is being a member of the church has been my identity. I mean, they Mm. told you what to wear. They told you what to eat down to like, you know, no coffee, no alcohol, uh, no marijuana, you know, all that. Uh, So what to wear, what to eat, uh, where to go on Sundays, uh, you know, who your friends were because you need to have friends who are like-minded and um it just yeah so that was my identity Where your money goes exactly yes 10 percent of your income you have to tithe and you know to sever all of that that is losing your identity that yeah. is like you have to start from scratch of hmm. do I really believe this or is this something that I've been indoctrinated to believe is this really what I love or is this just what the herd was telling me to love, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it was like a, it was a total loss. Of and so go ahead. I was just going to say like, cause you know, growing up with the church, there's a lot of should, there's a lot right. of things that you should be doing and you don't really know, as you said, like, am I doing this because I love it or am I doing this? Cause I've been told I should. Right that I, right. this is how I'm supposed to be, or yeah, this is how I'm supposed to talk. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to spend my time. This is who I'm yeah. supposed to socialize with. Like you said, it, it sounds really high demand. It is. Like, it is. is there an area of your life that it didn't touch? Not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, it came <laughs> down to my friends. I remember in high school where I had this great friend. She was one of my best friends, but she was not a member of the church. And I remember thinking like I had to choose between her or my church friends because this friend over here didn't understand. She didn't understand that I had to go to church every Sunday and I couldn't wear the bikini or I couldn't um, maybe, you know, secretly drink at a party. Like she didn't understand any of that. And so I felt very... (laughs) Like I had to choose between her or my church friends. There was no, I can't make both work. And I think that's one of my, one of the regrets I have is that I loved that friend so much. And I'm, I'm still friends with her on Facebook, but it's like, it's different now. And I wish I should go and apologize for like what I did to her. And so, yeah, it just touches every area of your life. It's yeah. So it's sad. What do you do on Sundays now? What don't I do? <laughs> I do. I <laughs> read my things you weren't allowed to. <laughs> yeah, I read my favorite books. Um, it's hot right now, but I would love to hike. I'd spend time mm-hmm. in nature, um, watch trashy TV. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like maybe go get a pedicure. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> There's got to be like such a sense of freedom in that. Oh my gosh, so much freedom. It's so much freedom to me, but I still feel that it's a different spirit now. It's like the spirit of freedom, but I haven't like, I'm not this like vixen that's turned into this she devil, you know? You're not drinking. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm not like going out and plundering and doing all this stuff. I'm just doing it in a way that fits my I'm taking things very slow. You're living more authentically you. (laughs) Yes, I really am. Do you still have like a means of 
like worship or or have you figured that out yet? I, I don't know how, how recent yeah, this like, is. Typically when a fan, like, again, we are not of, of any faith here in our own mm-hmm. home. That was my rejection of Catholicism. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it tends to be really important to bring your children up a certain way, like within a faith. Yeah. Do you have a mean, like, how are you moving yeah. forward? Like with your kids and I stuff? Know. That's are you still like working the that biggest... out? I think we take it day by day, but the one with me is I'm not looking for organized religion anymore. I'm done with that. It's just not something in my future, but I, I think I'm becoming more of a spiritual person. I think that there is something greater than us. I don't know what that is. I don't really like, I'm not looking for what that is, but, um, but I think there is something, whether that's, you know, the universe and deja vu and I don't you know I don't know I joked with my husband that I'm going to become a Buddhist because they just seem so calm and so just like with the self-enlightenment I just Mm -hmm. really love that um but as for my our kids you know I I don't know I don't know yet and the you know like again it's it's customary that you get baptized at eight well my daughter is six and so I have two years to figure that out. <laughs> I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, Your husband is Mormon. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's very nuanced. He's very, like, there's a lot of things in the church that he doesn't agree with, but mm-hmm. he has his personal reasons for staying. And I respect that, you know, I'm not, but he's not going around like, you know, Christ compels you and, you know, he's not doing that, you know, (laughs) and he supports you like very, and I'm very, I like, I'm on this Facebook group with a bunch of other ex Mormons and there is story after story about, uh, women leaving and their, their husbands wanting a divorce because it's like, you're either in the church or you divorce me. And I'm just so grateful. I got a lucky one. I really did. Like from day one, he supported me and he's like, okay, I re- as long as you respect me for staying, I respect you for leaving. And I think as long as you have that foundation mm-hmm. of respect and understanding, I think it works. Yeah. And lots of people are in marriages where they don't have the same faith or yeah. one has a faith and one is atheist or whichever. Yeah. So there's definitely proof that that can work. Yeah, I think what what makes it different is how high demand, as you said, Mm -hmm. Morgan, the religion is and that you started in the same faith. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's a big difference Mm -hmm. than starting out with different faiths. My my Catholic brother marrying his Jewish wife, like they were already right, different. Yeah. Yeah, right. And because of how intense and high demand the religion is it's not surprising to me that mo- for most couples or women that that is their story yeah I was just telling my husband that like we married for each other we didn't marry for the church yes we happened to be in this very high demand church and we got married in this temple and we did all of this coveting and stuff but we married for each other's humor we married because we have a things in common we married because we actually like to be around each other and mm-hmm. not just for this commandment of marriage that the church teaches. Right. And so I think that is another thing that 
I obviously can't speak for other couples in the church, but that is the majority because the teach the church teaches you get married, get married, get married. And then you're like, you feel this pressure. And it's actually funny because if you're 25 and not married, you're an old maiden. You are an old maiden. If you're not married by 25, can you, I got married at, I was 20. I had just turned 20 when I got married. I was like, who gave me permission to be that young getting married? Like, I just like blew my mind. <laughs> I mean, I would have been an maiden at 33 when I got married. <laughs> yeah. You might as well have been dead. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to probably, I'd yeah. have to leave the church. You're just dead. <laughs> <laughs> like no way. So yeah, you like, you're an old maiden if you're not married at 25. And if you don't have two kids by then, forget it. <laughs> So, wow. Yeah. Crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. And like when you're being, you know, fed it like all the time. Yeah. And you're seeing like, especially when I went off to school, I was seeing people getting engaged after engagement, after engagement. I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And I actually went with the thought of, okay, I'm, I'm going to go get married. I'm going to college and I'm going to get married. Like there was no other, I might get a degree but I'm going to get married. <laughs> There's no other, I could not come home without getting married. I told myself <laughs> there was no other option in the 21st century. Like we you, like, this is what you expect. Like in right. the rest yeah. of society, yeah. the fifties yeah. or the sixties, yeah. you know, like so long ago. And I don't think I know I mean, I know a, a little bit about the Mormon religion, but I don't think I realized that it was that intense in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have friends who are like my best friend is she's 20, almost 28 and not married. And, you know, she loves her life. She has a career. She has a house. She has friends and family. And she's not, you know, she dates around and, but she gets judged for it. And I'm like, you know, you live your life, girlfriend, you, you figure out what you love to do and there are a lot of things I wish I had done before getting married and having kids. And so I tell her all the time, like, you're in the best position. You're just free and you can do whatever you want. No one, you don't have to answer to anybody. Just go. And so but the pressure from the, her family must be in. Yeah. Time, I'm guessing. yeah. She's living her life and I'm proud of her. <laughs> yeah. So yes. well, you're yeah. living yours too. And, and it's yeah. like you're doing it in a way that's like, really supported which is probably not always the case it just sounds like even just from what you've shared is not the case but yeah I feel like a a really strong and intense community is great when you need it but when you decide Mm -hmm. that it doesn't serve you anymore that's not an easy thing I'd imagine yeah yeah but I, I tell myself like I'm free to make friends with whoever I want I can go I yeah I can just go I felt very like boxed in, like I could only have friends who are inside the church, who are in, who, do, who go to church with me. But now I have this, this open door to go be friends with whoever I want. I can mingle with whoever I want. And so it's so, it's the freedom. It, it tastes good. <laughs> it tastes really good. <laughs> so, yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that expression. And um, I have, been following you on Instagram for quite some time because I found you sort of through the minimalist community. Yeah. And um, you're sort of 
you're known for like your tap to tidies and your cleaning <laughs> videos. And yeah. now you've got this other yeah. sort of element that you've added and you've started posting about. And I'm just wondering what, cause I think you have like 14,000 followers or something on Instagram. Like what is the feedback been from that community? Yeah, for my minimalist community. Yeah, it was, I was a little nervous because I was like, you know, I'm this influencer. So mm-hmm. I have to stay in, again, another box, kind of like boxed in. And, but I think that, you know, I've talked straight minimalism and cleaning and organizing for several years now. And so I've built this community. Um, but they've also become my friends. And mm-hmm. so, when you have, they become friends who actually want to hear more than what you have been saying for a couple of years, they want to hear more and they become, they become followers and then they become friends. And so I was nervous to share this, this new thing. And, um, but the amount of love and support I've felt has been overwhelming because they're like, I came from the minimalism and I'm staying for the the faith journey, you know, and so that means so much to me. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some people who are like, you know, I don't really care for what you talk about religion, but I still support you anyway. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what kind of world would, would that be if we always had that mentality of like, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I still love and support you. And I think the world would be, I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but like, I think we really need that right now. No, I think, I think we do. I think what's hard though, like you come off as a very like kind and calm person. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because, you know, at least in the U S the rhetoric around everything is very like in your face and aggressive and how can it doesn't it it's hard to leave room for somebody Mm -hmm. to be like well I don't agree with you but I still love you when you're like yeah attacking me with it right you know Um, I know because you automatically get your back up right so yeah you go you built this defense yeah it's like I don't I don't want to hear that like you're clearly telling me you don't like me because I don't agree with that so yeah. how, how am I supposed to find the space to True. Yeah. accept you for that, you know? Right. And I have, I mean, I have a lot to work on with that because when it, you know, when it was 2020 and it was so intense with the election and COVID and all of these things, it was very easy to be like, screw you. I don't like what you have to say. And I can't believe you're like saying this and this, and I can't believe you're acting like that. And so I think you have to find that fine line of, okay, it's actually about setting a boundary. You're like, okay, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. So we might as well, you know, you can believe what you're going to believe and I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe. And we just have to find that agree to disagree. I mean, it's hard when it's, when you're talking about tough subjects like racism, homophobia, uh, misogynistic tendencies that's mm-hmm. hard and I have had to create those boundaries especially on Instagram yeah when it's like I don't like what you're talking about and blah 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 blah, blah. it's like I'm sorry you can go somewhere else then 
I didn't invite you here. Like, you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) you're also welcome to leave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking even in your day-to-day life and your relationships, when that has all been centered around having a common faith Mm -hmm. and now you're questioning that faith. Yeah you're going to now have some differences of opinion, I'm assuming, between you and people that you're friends with or that you socialize Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, well, therapy has helped a lot. (laughs) Therapy has helped me learn my boundaries Mm -hmm. and this self-knowledge. And, you know, as long as I'm happy with myself and I am choosing what's best for me, nothing can harm me. Nobody's words, nobody's actions. I think that as long as I am happy with myself and confident in my decision, people can talk all they want. They can tell me that they're disappointed in me. They could tell me that, you know, maybe my faith wasn't as strong enough and that's why I left, which I think is very dismissive, by the way. That was a comment told to me of like, oh, well, your faith was never strong enough. So that's why you left the church. Do you know how dismissive and small-minded that is? And hurtful? Because it's it's your fault that you couldn't make that work. Yeah. That you and couldn't conform to what somebody yeah. else said you should. There's right. nothing at all wrong with the church at all. Right. That's what I said. I was like, <laughs> if if you say something against the church or if you leave the church, it's never the church's fault. It's always your fault because the church is perfect. The people may not be perfect, but the organization is. And so if you leave, that's your fault. The so, church sounds like a narcissistic boyfriend. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> it's, it's manipulative. Yeah. It's so toxic. <laughs> right? It's so, mm-hmm. it's so toxic. And I want to preface that not everybody is like that. There are some amazing people I've met in the church and I'm still friends with to, till today, but this culture of judgment and entitlement and elitist elitism it's like no thank you I'm not going to be shamed anymore you know they shame you for like oh well if you didn't come to church three Sundays in a row you must have sinned or you must have something wrong with you I'm not going to be shamed into going back to church that's not how this works (laughs) that's not how any of this works no and so yeah it's just so you just got to let it roll off your shoulder Did you find your way to therapy as you were like going through this or had you been in therapy prior or it sounds like, and I, this could just be a misconception on my part that Mm -hmm. the church wouldn't support someone being in therapy. (laughs) You should be in therapy with your like pastor or or whatever. Right. Yeah. Your clergy. Yeah. Your clergy. Yeah. I was like off and on in therapy and actually the church has church services where they offer therapy, um, but it's $120 a session. And maybe that's the church is charging you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, it's, I forgot to write this on my post, but the, one of the things that struck me with the church is that um, they have like 180 billion with a B dollars sitting around just 180 billion. Do you know how many people that could feed? Oh my Do you know God, how same. many people that could help find housing? And 
I had went, I had gone to my bishop, my local clergy, and I said, I need money. I need help with tithing to pay for this therapy that I'm doing through the church. It's $120. And usually the members tithing goes, you know, to help other members. And he said, no, we don't have enough money for that. I was like, there's a hundred and but they report publicly how much they, they yeah. have to report publicly how much yeah. they have. Yeah. And every and member here is giving 10% of their income, but you can't give me $120. Yeah. I mean, they like <laughs> they have like a grocery store for like members. Like if you need help with your groceries, you can go mm-hmm. to this this storehouse, they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to get approval. You have to show like your income. You have to kind of be I, I shouldn't say worthy, but you have to prove you deserve it. Right. And, you know, members help out, you know, if you need a meal here or there and, you know, they come together and they do help out. But the, the fact that they had $180 billion and they can't help me with mental health service. I was like, what? well, because that was a case of actually like giving money yeah, as opposed to this storehouse where you're not actually giving someone money, right. where providing meals, you're not actually taking money out of your coffers. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. It just seems to me that but like, I was like anything that, that would be that Jesus would do going back yeah. to what you were saying. I was just shocked that they were charging you at all because to get some counseling from your clergy members like that seems like a service that they should just provide yeah and I don't know how it I think they're actually like licensed therapists okay are do this and so I can assume that I think they're pretty much paid by the church but okay so it wasn't just your clergyman that was giving you counseling but if you're paid by the church shouldn't this be free why am I or subsidized in some way there's no way I should check on that. I don't know if they are paid by the church. I'm not sure. But if they are, it's like, why am I paying for your services if you're already being paid? Or I think it it might, who knows? Who knows what it is? You know, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. But so in that case, the church is sort of telling you who is approved, is approved to, for you to see the counseling. Yeah. Everybody deserves to have access to mental health who, and this is maybe stigmatizing, but it's like, who needs mental health services the most? Usually poor women, people of color, people who, you know, pick one, the minorities, and they usually need help the most. And And it's like, they're right. And they're living paycheck to paycheck, but no, I need to shovel out $120 a session when you have $180 billion billion Mm -hmm. so it's like doesn't make any sense to me yeah but it is it's those marginalized groups that need it the most who don't have access to that yeah who then just continue to be more marginalized yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because they can't get it the church is everywhere in different countries and look at like africa they're asking people to pay 10 percent of their income they they tell you, okay, well, if you put in your tithing and not money for a meal, you will have more faith and blessings. What the heck? You're telling so if you're members, starving. Yeah. So if you're starving, you're better off in the eyes of yeah. God. As long as you're you're doing 10%, you're gonna get blessings. That is messed up. 
it's just the tip of the iceberg. And they have real estate investments. They built a mall with tithing money. They built a mall up in Utah. It's like, for what? I don't know. Because <laughs> you talk, sorry, you post fairly openly about having like suffered from OCD and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Does the church like recognize that? Is that something that you're allowed to talk about openly? Yeah, I mean, I think anxiety and any sort of mental illness, anxiety, OCD is still very taboo. I don't think people talk about it enough. And especially in a church set, a religious setting, because it's like, oh, well, just pray and God will take care of it. Just pray and uh, have faith. And so I think that's really damaging. And so, no, I didn't really talk about it a lot because it was so like hush hush. And if you have anxiety, it's just a faith builder. Like, uh, no, I need my meds. (laughs) I need my meds and I need therapy and I need something that is like going to stick because faith changes. Faith is so fluid. And so I'm like, well, if I don't have faith, then God will never heal me. Is that really what you're going to tell people? So if you question, if you question your faith and everyone goes through, no matter how devout you are, a questioning of their faith at some point, does that mean like, it's like, you're not getting your meds because you're questioning your faith? Right. And so it's just like, yeah, it's very toxic. And so, no, I think it needs to be talked about. And this toxic positivity, is that what they call it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, that is all in the church because the church teaches you to be perfect, you know, because we'll be perfect in heaven. And so we need, they don't ask you to be perfect, but it's very you know, the message is sent. The message is yes. And so it's like, oh no, I have anxiety. So I haven't prayed enough. I have anxiety. So I haven't read my scriptures enough. And maybe God is giving me this because I haven't been faithful enough. And I'm not perfect because I have this, something's wrong with me. And so it's so damaging. So mm-hmm. yeah. did that add to some of the questioning that you have with regard to the faith? I'm not sure if it, I think that it was probably um, not helping it, but I don't think it was leading to like, I don't think it was like a shelf breaker of like, okay, yeah, something's wrong here, but I don't think it added to it because I would go to church every Sunday and not feel good enough because everybody was prettier than me. Everybody was a scriptorian and knew their stuff. And that was just more anxiety inducing. You know, when COVID happened and um, everything shut down, church ultimately was canceled. I felt so much relief. I was happy. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to go to church anymore. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God I don't have to like interact with these people anymore and, and, and be perfect. And like, be on it all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and so when that happened, I felt my anxiety go down. And so I think it actually benefited me. Leaving the church benefited from me healing mentally right. <laughs> because I wasn't constantly on all the time. Is that, do you think that was the kind of the impetus for when you were like, okay, this like, like really isn't serving me because you had that contrast, right? Of of when you didn't have to 
do all the things and be all the things. Yeah. It was like night and day. It's like, wow, wow. I feel so much freedom. I feel so light. I didn't realize that church was such a kind of this rock in my bag, like holding me down. Yeah. Just a weight that you're carrying. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I let go of the rock. That's a really good image. Yeah, that this Mm. is heavy. This is heavy and I can't hold this anymore. And so I need to put it down. Yeah. And And because of COVID, you didn't have a choice in right. Like you were you weren't weren't like go. Yeah, you weren't breaking any rules. You weren't like acting out of faith. You were you were doing what you were supposed to be doing. I was told to stay home. (laughs) It's like, okay, fine by me. (laughs) I was so happy. And so I feel like you don't really know how heavy something is until you put it down. And you're Mm -hmm. like, wow, I don't need that anymore. I can keep going. What else can I put down? what else is weighing me down that I can get rid of? Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of circumstances in life, not just with religion, but like where we're carrying around this weight and we don't realize that it's weighing us down until we have this, something happens and we have to put it down or we have an opportunity to put it down. We're like, oh, I didn't realize how much that was weighing on me. I'm learning from Glennon Doyle. I'm I'm reading her book. Yeah, you're reading it. Mind blown. (laughs) Mind blown about how she talks about how she thought that if she had emotions, her emotions would literally kill her. But it's actually not the, the case is that when you sit with your emotions, they're like waves. And if you can just like ride out the wave and deal with it head on, it'll pass. And I just like that blew my mind. I was like, oh, I can sit with my anger and not be angry the rest of my life. I can just be angry for 10 minutes and then move on and do the dishes. My, yeah. um, my so. son, my son's therapist uh, is really great. And like one of the first things she said, and I reference it often is our emotions are like the weather. Um, mm. They're always changing. It's never going to rain all the time and it can be raining and sunny at the same time too. So it kind of embraces the duality of that. You can be feeling two things at the same time. I love that so much. It's so true. Yeah. And I think like, again, we are dealing with like a pretty serious trauma and grief journey. So for Mm -hmm. us, that's really important. Um, But I can speak to the idea that it's scary to get rid of the stuff and be faced Mm -hmm. with your emotions because when you have been feeling them and they're already uncomfortable, the Mm -hmm. idea that it could potentially feel worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's frightening. It's so, it freezes you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's not that it'll last forever, but it's more that it's just like, it feels like forever when you're in it. So even if it's only yeah. five minutes, it's a horrible, horrible five minutes, right? Right, right. I know. Yeah. My husband's uh, sister passed away in 2019 and it's been two years. That year, man. Yeah. And so he would, just the other day, he was like, wow, has it been two years? It feels like just yesterday, but it feels like forever ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. It can feel there's that and it can feel a long time ago and it feels like it just happened and that's you know just how emotions are you can you can feel 
angry. And yeah, just like you said, like it can be sunny and raining at the same time. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. We're all about these these visuals today. I know. Yeah, it's good. I love the a good rock visual. The, the yeah, rock in the backpack is like my yeah. favorite. <laughs> I feel like my kids will really understand that one. Yeah. And that's what I like when you were talking about the weather, because you were saying it was your kids' therapist. And like that's such a great thing that it's so easy that children can understand it, but also even just for adults to be able to visualize those things, like your emotions are like the weather and Mm -hmm. it might rain for a little while and it will stop raining. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not forever. And it could be rainy and sunny at the same time or rainy, then sunny in the same day. It might rain for two days straight and then be sunny. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's just always changing can be the same way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. it also goes back to this idea too, that we prioritize happiness above all else. Mm-hmm. When you're supposed to be happy all the time. Yeah. First of all, being happy doesn't exist if you don't have that sad, that like, that like it's yeah. emotions, like most things in life where it's like a, 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 I can't find the words, but it's like all about the opposites, right? The polarity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, of, of two opposing energies or ideas that like you can't like you can't have one without the other and one of the things that like gives me a little bit of solace in the idea of grief is that you can't feel deep grief if you haven't had like great love yeah right Um, I think there's I think there's either some even some like Mormon scripture about like uh, to feel you can't feel deep joy until you feel deep grief or, you know, something like that that you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been such a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you for sharing like so, so much. And so like openly, I feel like there are topics that, you know, I don't know. I mean, everything we talk about is, is sensitive to someone and and makes them feel vulnerable, but I feel like, especially when you're talking about things like, leaving your faith and, and just, mm-hmm. again, especially what I know from the Mormon of the Mormon faith is like, it's very like nebulous and kind of mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I've never had a, been able to, I've never had a conversation with somebody so like yeah. openly about it, which has been really for me. Yeah. Cause we're not Mormon. So they're not allowed to be friends with us. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's just been, and I think that's where I get, it's like, I, yes, I talk about the church, but I think it's mainly just to educate. And I literally yeah. just tell the truth. I am not spinning anything. I'm not adding it, adding any sugar coating to it. I'm just telling it how it is. And I'm just educating because people really don't know much about the church. No, because it's, it's a very insulated community. Cause you even said you're, you're not supposed to have friends outside of the church. And yeah when you've got $1.8 billion, you're able to like keep anything that might happen in scandalous uh, yeah. under wraps. I know I could, like, if I hadn't turned in my resignation papers and someone heard about this interview and what we're saying, I could be excommunicated. Right. What does that say about the organization that you're in when you're literally telling the truth? Well, and so you're like, telling your, you're sharing your own experience. Yeah. And that's what I'm dealing with, with like friends and family members of like, you don't, I mean, you can say whatever you want, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you don't know anything about me. 
and what goes on behind closed doors. And so you have, you, I don't let anybody have that power of like, you can't take away my personal experiences that I've had. Mm -hmm. And I'm just not going to let you have that power over me. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm, why, why I left in the first place, because so many people had so much power over me. I'm like, forget that no more. What does it mean? I know we're trying to wrap this up, but what does it mean that you can be excommunicated? What happens if you're excommunicated? Yeah. So you usually have like a disciplinary council. So it's usually like, uh, think of it like as a jury and a judge and you you're allowed to call witnesses in your behalf but it's basically just like kangaroo or you're you sitting with a bunch of people who have the power to like oh well you did this and you did that and so we're gonna we find you incapable of being a faithful member and so we're gonna excommunicate you and so that means that your records are uh you know erased and if you ever wanted to come back, you have to be rebaptized. Uh, you have to wait a year to be rebaptized. Pretty much all of your, your and you couldn't attend any services in that time. You could like go to church. I mean, the but like go in the temples. You can't go into the temples because you need a. They, you have to show like a recommend a card, um, that with your membership number on it. I mean, you could go into a church and attend a service, but if they know you've been excommunicated, all eyes are on you. you know? Yeah. Who wants that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go. And so I, in my angry stage, I was like, let them excommunicate me. I want to do something that gets me excommunicated. <laughs> but then I was like, you know, what? I don't, that's more power. You know, I'm not going to let them decide mm. that over me. So I'm just going to leave quietly yeah. and, you know, on my own terms. So that's what I'm doing. Well, and I, I would think also because your husband is still in the church, like True. Yes. You, you wouldn't, that yeah. would make things hard. Yes. And, and we've talked, like I told my husband, like I was just talking to him the other night, like ask, I mean, I don't need his permission for anything, No. but I'm not going to step on toes, you know? And I told him I'd really love to leave and he fully supports that. And you know, that's as long as I have his support and we're on the same page, nothing else matters, you know? Because yeah, yeah you, you guys are a team and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. What advice might you give to somebody who is questioning their faith? You know, I would, if you're like looking to leave the church and even maybe the Mormon church specifically, but even your faith, I would go slow. When I left, I was like a fire hose of information and it, I got really overwhelmed very quickly. So I would go slow. I would turn to people that love you unconditionally, you know, not this fake unconditional crap of like, I love you, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever, none of that. You need someone who is in your corner, who loves you no matter what you do and will respect yeah. you and who you feel safe with. So that you have that person, you know, if you have something that you're, is on your mind or your heart, you know that that person is a safe person right. who you can turn yeah. to. No questions asked, no judgment. I'm here for you. I think mm-hmm. everybody needs, you know, that person in their life. Absolutely. And when I was questioning the church, I clung to all of these other women who were leaving 
And I just loved them. And I found so much inspiration and love and support from them. And I want to be that for somebody else. You know, if you stumble across my Instagram and you see that I'm an ex-Mormon, I want you to know that I'm a safe place if you have those questions. And um, you can know that I, I, my inbox is always open. If you feel like you have questions and you don't know where to turn, I can be that person for you because I had those people for me and it made it easier to leave because mm-hmm. I, I had those people in my corner. Yeah. So, people who have kind of walked through the fire of it. Yeah, and, and exactly. It. Yeah. Exactly. And now that I'm kind of, I'm still kind of on fire, but it's, it's calming down. I can be that person for somebody else. Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah, but I would say go slow and have somebody in your corner. Yeah. yeah. And, and nobody can take anything from you. You know, you, you know, what's best for you and your family. And you just got to trust and, and be confident in, in what you're doing. Yeah. So, That's totally. good advice. Just trust yeah. yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think in all parts of life, and yeah. everything, yeah, and everything. Yeah, your health, your physical safety, your, you know, everything. Yeah, absolutely. That's Thank amazing. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for agreeing to oh be on the gosh. show. I had so much fun. Thanks for listening to Now What? If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Until next time, remember, your hard times are the chance to write another chapter.